when you got to the varsity football team at Lamar, who was the first person to kind of give you that wake up call and, and welcome you to varsity football? So for me, uh, the list of people that woke me up is, is probably longer than, than most people, <laughs> uh, <laughs> especially at Lamar high school. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, the, the one that, that really sticks out, uh, not to, not to name drop, but for real, uh, Brian Arakpo yeah. uh, was a sophomore when I was a senior, and I, I wasn't a guy that that played a ton. And so yeah. there were there were several times where I was helping out with scout team and mm-hmm. things like that as an offensive lineman. And I just remember one time specifically, I had to pull as a center and hit him as defensive end, and he was a string bean. Like he didn't look like much as a sophomore. Now he's ridiculous huge but he exploded and hit me it was one of those moments where you remember right before you got hit and you remember right after and then it was just like what happened <laughs> yeah, I mean and, and I'm you know we're not we weren't as cognizant at that point in time I'm pretty sure there might have been like a minor you know concussion you know you got right. like the scene stars, stars yeah. and all that yeah. sort of stuff so uh that that was that was definitely a moment where where I was like yeah this is this is a little bit different <laughs> It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. One more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. One more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough. But you be told I need some therapy. Initially, ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy. All right, welcome back to another brand new episode of the Team Player Podcast. Special guest today for a special occasion. This is episode number 52. So you guys do the math. That's 52 straight weeks, one year that we've put out a team player podcast episode. So it's a special moment. I got a very special guest today to celebrate this moment. He's a guy I've known for a long time. It started in a, in a dorm room in, in College Station, Texas. We'll tell that story. You know, I have great memories of, of a great night that we had there. Uh, but this guy, man, he was, he was the offensive coordinator with me uh, when I was head coach at Aldean. Did an awesome job there. Man, that second year, he really took off of that offense, man. We really we really, really did some cool things and, and scored some big touchdowns against good teams. Uh, but it, it's my honor to welcome my good friend. He's now the offensive coordinator at Fort Bend Hightower High School, Nate Schallenberger. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Just quick correction. I don't want anybody to think I'm uh, I'm claiming titles or anything. I'm uh, assistant head coach. Not assistant head coach. Line. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's all right. Okay. Offensive line. Uh, so okay. I don't want to get back to anybody. And me think they think I'm uh, trying to take their job or anything like that. <laughs> but I made sure uh, I made sure to wear my sport my Aldine. There it is. Uh, I'm I'm so grateful to to Coach Covo for uh, you know getting me out of my bubble, out of my comfort zone. You know, as far as uh, you know, I've I thought about it so many times. I might still be at, at Katie Taylor sure. uh, to this day if if he didn't take a chance on me and, and invite me to to be a part of what he was doing at Aldean. And, and so I know I'm speaking in the third person to you, but but I, I really appreciate you. And, and I, I, it, it means a lot to to be on and it, and it meant a lot to be a part of your staff. So let's, let's you. talk about two things, man, before we jump into the, like the format of the show. The thing about Brian Rackpo 
I had a similar experience, much like you. And now we're, we're kind of like skinnier. <laughs> we, we were former offensive linemen in high school. And yeah. I had the exact same thing. And the guy's name was Tim Washington. He played for Fort Bend Dulles and he went to LSU. But he was only a sophomore and I pulled out there to kick him out on counter. And same thing. He was skinny, string bean, but like he just had that pop. Yeah. And I, I, I've had other guests on the show. We talk about when, when you play against a guy that's a pro athlete or a big time college football athlete, they're just built different. Yeah. And I can't explain it, but you, what you described, I, I, I've had that same feeling. <laughs> There's a different level of explosion. And, you yeah. know, even being like special teams coordinator for a little while, you talk about kickers and guys will look exactly the same and the ball just comes off their foot yeah. differently. Yeah. And, it's, it's, and it's the same thing with somebody who's an explosive athlete. You know, they don't necessarily look like they're any different. You line them up in a string of guys and, yeah. and, you can't pick them out of the lineup, but there's just something Yeah, that they, ha they have it, you know? Yep. Totally agree. And, and as far as the offense, man, I'll, I've, I've told this story on the show a couple of times. That first year, you and I, or we, we talked about it a lot. We wanted to be off-tempo. Yeah. We felt like that would give us a competitive advantage, you know, get the seven-on-seven seven going year-round, all that kind of stuff. And it just we, – we really put up quite a few points in that first year yeah. at Aldine. You know, we yeah. really – we were pretty explosive, but we – as time went on, we're also giving up a lot of points. You know, <laughs> I, I tell the story, you know, at the Super Bowl, we gave up 82 yeah. points to Channel View and Jalen Hurts, you know. Yeah. And uh, I thought it might be, you know, because, you know, Jerry Thompson, the athletic uh, director, he was the assistant then. He's, uh, you know, I, I could just see in his eyes that they're thinking, like, hey, Kobo, you know, we brought you here to, to be a, your defensive coordinator from Ridgepoint. You're supposed to be this defensive guy. What do we do? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but, but that I, first I year, let's people, talk about that, man. Just for a lot of football guys, listen, you really, that first year, we, we were very effective, in my opinion, offensively. But yeah. then we had to, we, we as a staff, we talked, we, we scaled it back. And I thought that second year, you did an awesome job, a masterful job. We, like, I, I really wanted to, I wanted to shake things up completely, go to, go to more of a, I don't want to call it gimmicky or anything, but just more of an offense that, that other teams wouldn't be used to. So we actually traveled down to Port Lavaca, Calhoun, uh, coach yep. Whitaker and Aldine, a former Aldine coach, was so nice to host us. And we learned about the flex bone. And I was very close, you know, to, to trying to pull that trigger and, and go flex bone or slot T or just something different to try to give us an edge. But you did an awesome job saying, Kobo, I, I totally agree with you. What's best for the team is to slow down the pace. Like, we can still run the football and control the clock out of our offense. And I thought you did a great job of that, man. That second year yeah. was we didn't win any games, but that, that's the whole point of this show, right? We didn't win games, but I thought we did a lot of good things. So can you can you talk about that? You're, just talk about your first year, kind of what you're yeah. doing offensively, and then that transition that you did the second year. Yeah. So I tell people all the time, first of all, that there's a lot of coaches out there that I think they think they know what they're, what they're doing. And, and if you start off in a privileged, in a privileged place sure. – Sure. You know, and I think I think you experienced the same thing defensively. Yes. You know, you, yes. you when when you're calling defense at Ridgepoint or when you're calling offense at Taylor, there's certain things that you can kind of say, well, at least we can do this, that, or the other. You know, right. and then you get to a place where you can't at least do that. Right. You know, yeah. and I, I remember specifically you you said, you know, I like to put uh, my you know, my best defensive end on this side, my best offensive, yeah. or excuse me, outside linebacker on this side. And so that way they're at least right. And I, I remember thinking at the time, well, that's great. But what if neither one of those guys is any good? Yeah, sure. and, and, and sure. it, I mean, it, it, it's all, it's all relative, you know, right. and I, I'm not, 
I'm not uh, hating on any of the guys. I, I think we we got the best out of those guys that that we could. Um, but man, I I think the first year I was calling, you know, I'd come from the Holgerson, you know, air raid up tempo offense, and I I was calling things, I was calling plays, but there were times where I called it just because I liked it, not necessarily because. I knew why that was going to be effective or not effective. Sure. Uh, and, you know, we had a quarterback that, that could throw and yeah. man, he was, he was awesome in practice. And it took me probably about five or six games to realize the reason he struggled in games was because he knew in practice, you know, he wasn't going to get hit, you know, and we, and we um, watching the tape and being a little bit, inexperienced, you know, it was always like the throw would just miss on a yeah. lot of things, yeah. you know, it was just high. And I didn't realize until probably it was too late that the reason it was just high was because, you know, he had happy feet and, sure. uh, and, he, and he was sailing. But in between those two years, you know, we, we, he was a senior. He was he was a good passer. And then we kind of looked around we're like, well, there's not another one of those. Uh, and then great kid. Shout out to Jacory Howard. Uh, yep. I think he might have one more year. I think he's got one more year. Yeah, one okay. more year at TSU. Yep. Um, running back at TSU and and doing great things. Yeah. I'm really proud of his his growth and and maturity and all those things. But um, as a freshman, we said, okay, this is this is the next guy. And man, I I, I learned so much football that off season trying to figure out, okay, how do you go from air raid to we really need to be able to run the ball more. Right. And Corey was was super athletic and, and very gifted at making people miss. And, and I, I actually kind of wish, I, I think they've probably maybe put a little too much weight on him. I think he's lost some of that, you know, some, some of that yeah. wiggle. Um, but he, um, so we were, we were building it around him, built it around, you know, power read is what we, what we settled mm-hmm. on the most. And then, uh, and then running, you know, GT counter and reading the backside in, but what, uh, I really learned a lot from our, our visit down South yeah. because yeah. Uh, I thought about, okay, how can we incorporate this part of it, but still make Ja'Cory a dynamic player. And, and I, I really felt strongly that as a young guy, especially he could be more dynamic in the shotgun, being able to see the defense pre-snap, being able to read things and be more downhill with, rather than necessarily um you know running running the classic you know fullback dive and then and then veer to the to the outside uh but but what struck me about what they did is that if you didn't know if he didn't tell me beforehand that this is a different play than this is a different play than this you don't necessarily know to the naked eye that it's a different scheme and it all looked the same uh but then you know started thinking about okay how can we put a triple option onto everything that we do? And, you know, we, you know, I, I came from, and this is getting long-winded, I'm sure, but I came from, you know, at Taylor, we ran a ton of inside zone and we're never really that good at it. Every year at the end of the year, we'd run our reports and we were best at the gap scheme plays. Yeah. And I thought, well, shoot, why are we wasting all this time? Because we never really had an inside zone running back, you know, a guy that could, that could just make people miss and, and, and find the hole and things like that. We had a lot more guys that were, you know, that were fast, but maybe not as, as much, you know, making miscibility. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, well, let's, can we not do the exact same thing? Just reading the backside end and running GT, you know, and that's kind of where it all started is, 
Uh, you know, just just asking questions, you know, why do we do the things that we do? And then how can I incorporate the, you know, the triple option stuff off of it? And that's where we had a, a bunch of motions. And I, I got a lot of influence from at that point in time, the the Klein Collins offense yeah. and the Saw Woods offense. I remember specifically there was a time, you know, we had a we had an event or, or something that that you would want me to be at. I was like, I was, I was planning on going to the Klein Collins game and I you're like go like if you're if you're gonna learn something from it yeah, go. yeah. Uh, and, and so I, I always just loved how they were an option team but out of the gun so I, I always right. say it's it's you know early 20th century philosophy but it looks like 21st century because it's right. shotgun and the way they manipulate things and things like that. And, and they've changed a little bit uh since then but uh but at that point in time I, I thought it was really dynamic and, and really cool uh so I, I tell people you know you I mean, I, I really, and I think you'd agree with this. We were better the year we went 0 and 10 than the year yeah. that we went 2 and 8. Yeah. And, it, and it's, and it's frustrating to say that because it, you know, you would, people think, well, then why didn't you, why didn't you win more or things like that? But, uh, you know, a different district, <laughs> sure. uh, you know, and, and, uh, and different kids. Uh, but man, I, I learned more football in that two years and also gained more confidence in myself, you know, like I said, I'm, I might have ended up being, you know, still at, at K Taylor, which, which isn't a bad thing. You know, James E. Taylor is a great place, and I'd, mm -hmm. I'd actually love to be back there at some point in time. But, uh, you know, just just to kind of leave the nest, so to speak, and and try to try to fly on your own, it was it was a great opportunity. Totally agree, man. This has come up on the show several times. Kenny Simpson, you know, who was my guest last week, he talked about or two weeks ago, excuse me, he talked about, you know. When, it, when you're in a situation, you talk about the Ridgepoint defense. I mean, it was the exact same defense that we, we ran at Aldine that first year, and just we weren't producing. And it, so you, as a coach, you're like, I haven't changed. I'm doing, the, I'm doing the exact same things, but we're not getting results. And so coach talked about, you know, the first thing, you know, you, your natural instinct may be to blame the players or things of that nature, and you, gotta, you can't do that. You know, that's not productive, right? And so that, that's always such a challenge for coaches. But I totally agree with you, man. I thought we coached our butt off that second year. I thought we really did some great things. and. The results just simply weren't there. And, you know, I, I shared on the show and you you saw me, you know, trying, you know, leading the athletic program. And it was very stressful. You know, I felt yeah. like I aged dramatically in those yeah. two years, not in a good way, you know. But um, one of the things that I realized was at that time in my life, you know, I was I was a bachelor, you know, I just my whole identity became my job. Mm -hmm. And I think that's dangerous at times, right? You, you do want to commit to your yeah. job and try to be the best, but. I think now I'm a dad, I'm a husband, you know, I have other things, I guess, that have really, you know, taken priority in my life. I think that might have been helpful at the time for me to just be able to put work away for sometimes not dwell on the losses. And so I'm just curious for you, because you, you were in that same office with me, we went through the tough times together for coaches listening that are struggling, you know, having 0 and 10, 1 and 9, 2 and 8 seasons. I mean, what advice would you give? You know, because you've, you've been at successful programs a lot of your yeah. career, you know, currently at Hightower. I mean, you guys are awesome. What yeah. was it? What What would you recommend to coaches, you know, that, that are struggling? I think the tendency is to think if we're not doing well, I've got to work harder and we've got to do more. Mm -hmm. And I think I've really learned that those weeks that I was able to get to church on Sunday yeah. and not not necessarily 
you know, spiritually, just, just the perspective of things. I mean, I'm, obviously, I, I believe in that, and I'm not advocating, I'm not trying to push that on anybody. But what I'm saying is, when you get into a situation where you realize that your problems aren't nearly as big as you perceive them to be, sure. um, you know, I think really helps. I, I've thought about uh, so many times how many poor decisions, you know, at the places that I worked where it was seven days a week and we were there till all hours of the night, how many poor decisions did we make because of that, you know, and, and, and how many things did we think would help us and how many things did we, you know, try to add and then it really just confused the kids even more things like that. And um, so my, my advice would, would be, you know, we, we talked about this the other day that, that, the work is going to expand to the time that you allow it to expand to. And I heard that on a, a podcast somewhere. I can't take credit for that, but it's, it's so true. If you, if you plan on staying up there all day, then you're going to find something new to do all day. Uh, but, you know, I, I've, I've always been somebody that's, that's been able to keep things in perspective. You know, I, I you know, there's, there's people who talk about how, you know, at the end of the night, they can't sleep that night that's never been me. I'm exhausted. After games, right. You know, like yeah. I, I fall asleep like a rock. And, and I think part of that too, though, is, you know, I'm, I'm very comfortable with the idea that I have done everything that I, that I could to try to help the players to be in the best position that they, they could be. And uh, that, that doesn't mean being up there till, till all hours of the night. And, and there's, there's so many times where, where there are things that we know, but you don't even have enough time to impart that, that knowledge yeah. to the kids, you know? So if you know, but they don't know, is it really helping you at, at times, you know, unless you just have the perfect play call that'll, that'll go with that. Uh, so I, I think, you know, one, one thing that I think we did a really good job of is trying to motivate our kids and, you know, I don't remember there being a ton of guys that just walked out on us. You know, I, I'm sure there were a few, but try to make practice as, as fun as possible. Try to make the environment as fun as possible. You know, we, we tried to incorporate, you know, the music and, yeah. and, and all the things, you know, we, we tried to uh, make them feel as good about themselves as we possibly could, you know, with, you know, you did a good job, you know, beg barn and, and dealing, you know, <laughs> as much as we could to try to, yeah make them look as good as they could and get the yeah. best stuff that they could. And so I think if you, yeah, it sounds cliche, but, but the, the building, the relationships uh, and, and, and things like that, I think is, is what's going to keep the kids engaged and then what's going to ultimately keep you engaged. And, 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 you know, I think it really helps for, for me personally, you know, I didn't get into this to win state championships. Right, I'm, I'm, right. I'm competitive. I want to, and I dream about it and I fantasize about yeah. it. But if I never, if I never win one, my career isn't going to be any less com complete. You know, we, we went to, we went to the wedding of, of one of my wife, my wife was a volleyball coach and we went to the wedding of one of her former student athletes uh, this past weekend. And it, it was awesome. You know, it brings yeah. a tear to your eye, you yeah. know, seeing, seeing these kids, you know, grow up and, and make something of themselves and, and become positive contributing members of society and all that. It, it's, that's the best. Couple, I got to reminisce on a couple more things and we'll get into the, you know, our normal, yeah. our normal format, but I got two game balls that I've saved in, in, my, in my, my weight room, my garage, you know, my man cave, you know, and it's kind of funny. One of us, our first win, 
which yeah. was Northbrook. And the funny story here is we were losing at halftime. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm looking back at these scores, Nate. I got them pulled up here. The first four games, we gave up 70, 70, 67, 82. And here I am, supposed to be this hotshot defensive coordinator from Ridgepoint. And, I'm, and I was like, what's going on? We're losing the game at halftime against Northbrook. And, you know, fans of Houston area, you know, North, Northbrook traditionally hasn't, hasn't had a lot of football success. You know, last week, Andres Gomez came on the show, and both of our favorite, you know, one of our favorite coaches. Yeah. We're losing that game at halftime. And I honestly, I thought I might get fired. Yeah. I really that maybe they, uh, Coach Delgado, you know, just decide like we made a mistake. <laughs> what are we doing here? We came back to win that game, fifty to twenty nine. So we won it, kind of going away. But just, do you have memories of that game? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So I, I, first of all, those those four games, those, that that non district schedule was brutal. It was. Like, tough, I, yeah. I, I remember uh, Strake was, was, and I think they went two or three rounds deep that yeah. year. Uh, you had Channel View, who had the quarterback that that ended up <laughs> playing at Alabama, Oklahoma, yeah, and yeah. Super Bowl. So he was pretty good. Uh, we it, Oak Ridge was was the other one, and, and Conroe, Conroe, yeah. And 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 man, I, I just remember thinking, man, can we get to a game that's like winnable on our schedule? Sure, sure. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that was a, that was a murderer's row. But yeah, Northbrook. Now I do remember. Northbrook had a running back that I think was was pretty talented yeah. that year, and I think after that year he ended up going somewhere else, which unfortunately I think is is kind of Northbrook's issue at times that they, they have kids that, yeah. that come in. And they, and Tyree Cleveland was there for a time at receiver. Yeah. I remember you know, he played. He's in the he's kind of in the league, you know. But going, I, I don't believe he's a, a a starter or anything, but he he played big time college football. He's in the NFL, and so yeah, it's hard to replace. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I, I remember specifically turning to uh, one, one of our players. I can't remember who it was. And I was like, yeah, man, Northbrook seems better this year, huh? He's like, nah, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was uh, Carrie. Um, Davis? Uh, yes. I <laughs> love yes. it, yeah. And he was a little bit jaded on our whole transition of power anyways, I think. So <laughs> I, think he, he, I think he was seeing it, you know, a little bit negatively. And I was still had the rose-colored glasses on and stuff like that. Uh, but you know, that, that was definitely one of those where you remember kind of thinking, Oh no, what, what happens if we, if we lose this? I, one? Well, thank you to you and the offense for putting up 50 points and getting us that <laughs> win. Cause that, that, that could have been bad, but this is the other story and my, my other game ball. It, it, it's, it's labeled coach Kobo's proudest win. Little did I know, I, I, I joke about this now. I could have wrote coach Kobo's last win. <laughs> that, would, that would technically be true. I, I have, I have game balls for both of my wins as a kid. As a head yeah, coach, yeah, yeah, I, I and I, you know, I just, I, I think you have to have some humor about it. You know, we we did our best. I, I, my my head coaching career is not illustrious. It was two and eighteen. I always joke with Charles West. He he's the uh, he's the assistant AD at Spring Branch ISD. He was yeah. the former head coach at Humble when we scrimmaged them. And yeah. uh, he he'll tell me, Kovo, you ever you gonna come back, man? Well, you ever you ever think about coming back? And I said, Charles, I got a two and eighteen career record. Who the heck would want to hire me? <laughs> you know, we, so I, I just like have laughed about it, but serious. Yeah. In all seriousness, of all the games we won at Ridgepoint, October twenty fourth, twenty fifteen, on a Saturday afternoon, in the rain, that's my proudest win of my entire coaching career. And yeah. I always tell people, yeah, we went two and eight, we beat a playoff team, yeah. And it was on that afternoon that we beat the Nimitz Cougars. And yeah. 
my recollection of that game, I, I remember we, we, we were anticipating rain all week. And I remember you did a really great job. You know, we talked about how we want to prepare for this. I remember you would dunk the footballs in a, in a, uh, a trash can of water. And yeah. even, it, it was kind of rainy all week, but not like downpour. But we practiced that. Yeah. You, you had your guys handling a completely soaked football. And sure enough, on a Saturday, I remember it was the SAT. Some kids were taking SATs and coming in. We were cooking pancakes at the field house and get ready to go. It, it poured. Yeah. <laughs> it poured the entire game. And I felt like my recollection of that game, we won the game 36 to 32. The things I remember was it was one of those deals where, like, for an upset, for an upset to happen, the, the underdog team has to do a lot of things right. I felt like we won the turnover battle and we easily won the penalties battle. We, any defensive coordinator that listens to this, have the shift in your package. Yeah. Have the defensive line shift. We got them to jump probably 10 times just by shifting. So always have that in there. But yeah. we, we took care of the football. You know, we won the we won the penalty battle. And we still were on the brink of losing that game. Star safety Andrew Davis got an interception in the end zone to seal that victory in the closing minutes. But that's my recollection of the game. I'm so proud of it. All the coaches did awesome. All the players did awesome. You know, we weren't favored to win that game, obviously, but we did it. You know, yeah. there was no doubt about it. So I'm just curious, your your, your recollection of that game. Yeah, that's one of those I've, I've talked about with uh, with Jake Smith a couple of times, yeah. our, our offensive line coach that year. That's one of those two, in, in that terrible weather, it can eat if you lose it, it's the it's one of the worst games of your career, yeah. right? Like you you hate that game. You're like, oh, it's so miserable. And then when you win it, it's it's one of the it's one of the best, you know. And and I want to say too, uh, I can't remember if our game time got moved or if it was Eisenhower and somebody else that was like the premier game. But it, one of the, they they played right before us because I remember when we got there, they were just finishing up. And I think we had to wait for them to clear out uh, before we could warm up or something like that. But yeah, oh, it, it was torrential downpour rain, and and uh, it, it's it's a little bit of a blur. But I do remember you guys getting like five turnovers. Yeah, and uh, you know, Joshi Clayton, man, just Yoshi. just pounded that rock, and just you know, I mean, and it was it's kind of one of those like uncharacteristic things, right? Because the whole, the whole knock, especially for, for high school, you know, up-tempo spread offenses is what do you do when it's too windy or it's too right. you know, cold or it's too rainy or, you know, what, what do you, what are your answers when it, it, none of that stuff works? I do remember we had, we had a play where uh, Butler, our, our tall wide receiver, yeah. We we hid him at tight end, and we did some sort of some sort of motion, or maybe it may have even been tackle over or something like that. We we hid him at tight end, and released him down the field, and he was wide open. And I can't remember if it got slightly overthrown or if he or if he yeah. dropped it because of the rain. But it was one of those things like it was just so frustrating because you you know you got the call, you call it, and you feel like yeah. oh this is the perfect time, and the ball's in there. You're like that's it, it's there, yeah. and then it doesn't get completed. You're like. Yeah. So, I, I, unfortunately, as coaches, we remember the negative more than we remember the positive sometimes. But man, and, yeah, and that, it, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. So that that game was awesome. And then the next year, of course, went zero and ten. But like, the only thing, the only thing I want to talk about from that season is the Westfield game. Yeah. We do hold the distinction of 
of all the district games, who scored the most points against Spring Westfield? You wouldn't guess the last place team that didn't win a game, but we did. We scored 14 points. And yep. you're Joe Sean Bates. I have really fought hard for him to get an all district nod and, and he got it. Is he he was just incredible on the play action. And yeah. so you you just did such a great job of of incorporating and building off off the, off your run plays and your play action just so good. And we got him twice against Westfield, two long touchdown passes. So can you just for yeah. coaches listening, just kind of talk about, you know, we don't go too much X's and O's, but just talk yeah, about yeah. the effectiveness of your play action game in that season because it really was good all season. Yeah. And 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 you know, like you said, not much X and O, but it was my my favorite concept that year I stole from uh, from Sal Woods, and we saw them run it, and now a ton of people run it in in, in different ways, shapes, forms. Uh, where you know sometimes it's a post, and sometimes it's a it's a crack and go. Uh, but then with a with a wheel, and then a guy in the in the flats as as your check down, and uh, it, it's funny because you know that that I probably should have called it more because there were there were times when um, I mean, it just felt like it worked every time, you know, it was yeah, always open. It did. And and it's funny you mentioned Bates because I, I tried to, you know, I went back to try to make a highlight film of him to, to try to, you know, sell yeah. him to colleges. And he, and he had like eight touchdowns and I think they were all off of that play. Yeah. And he was, you know, but on all of them, he was like 15 yards behind, behind right. the defense because the play action sucked him up. I was like, well, sure, this is kind of, I mean, this is an 80-yard touchdown or whatever, but it doesn't really, you know, showcase sure, any sure. great, you know, but, you know, so I, I kind of felt cheapish about putting them all on there. But, uh, yeah, I will say this. I remember specifically against Westfield, both of those times we, we completed it. Uh, one of them was on that. The other one was on a deal where we had, uh, where we had a kid kind of fake the fall down and then and then yeah. release up and uh, again on a, on a heavy play action and on both of them I just remember being on the sideline thinking please 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 make it to the end zone because I have no idea what we're going to call if he gets down to the two yard like I have I have sure. nothing that's going to they get were us incredible yeah <laughs> they were they were unbelievable I remember too we, we tried to uh, I thought we were going to take uh, one of the twins that played linebacker for us, and we were going to wham uh, their their defensive tackle. You know, I saw Wisconsin run it, and I was like, okay, this is something different. You know, we're, we're reading a guy who's not used to being red. You know, and then we're gonna we're gonna come back and we're gonna hit him in the in the side of the helmet. And I believe when I watched the film uh, that that evening, our fullback took one step. And their defensive lineman was already hitting our running back. <laughs> it yeah. was, you know, yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. it was unbelievable. I was like, well, cross that one off. We're not going to, we're not going to make it on that one. But we, that's, I, I love the fall down play. I, we, we did a lot of little things like that. Cause we, we coached hard. We're having fun. Even if we weren't winning. I, mean, I remember against Ike, we did the play where like, we bring the receiver off, act like, you know, he's talking to me, but he hasn't yeah. left the field, but you know, <laughs> the defense didn't cover him at all. So we, yeah. we did some of those little trick plays. We, of course, we didn't complete the pass. You know, he's wide open. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I just I, – I, I enjoyed our staff, man. Just a great group of people. Such a great part of my life, man. So thankful for you, man, help, helping – just helping for all the things that we did. Uh, so, yeah. seriously, from the bottom of my heart, thank you, Coach Shaw. But let's go ahead and dive in. Let's dive into the show, kind of following okay. our normal process. You have a really cool, interesting upbringing. You know, I'm from Sugarland. All, all of us suburban people, we say we're from Houston. You know, we just yeah. – if someone – where are you from? I'm from Houston. But we're not really from Houston. 
you know, and now I live in the Heights and, uh, you know, the fans of the show know that I'm actually moving to Katie. We're going to move to Katie now if our son kind of lived the suburban lifestyle. But I've, I've lived in the Heights now ever since I started working at Aldine. And I've kind of experienced now getting to be a, a true Houstonian inside the looper, you know. Yeah. And so you got to do that. You went to Lamar High School uh, there in that kind of, you know, River Oaks part of town, you know, awesome, cool part of town. And I'm just curious for you, like, what was it like, you know, because I, I, all my friends were suburban and, you know, and right. I, I'm used to living in the suburbs. But what was it like actually growing up in the city? Yeah, man, it, it was so cool. So I, I grew up in West University, which sometimes I hesitate to say because I think people automatically have this stigma that, you know, you've sure. got like three houses and you say things right. like, you know, we summer in Maine or something <laughs> like that. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, we we could afford to live there but we were you know we our house actually got torn down in, in the last few years my mom uh, moved moved away and uh you know it, it, it was uh you know just one story shotgun style house but man i tell people it is the perfect place to grow up i mean it, it is it's the it's the suburbs but it's within houston city limits if we had to drive more than 15 minutes to get somewhere i mean you could go downtown gallery area yeah you know, medical center, whatever. If we had to drive more than 15 minutes, we weren't going. Like you were, you live too far away. We're not, we're not going to your house. Uh, but man, Lamar is such a cool melting pot of, yeah. of the whole world. I, and I, I tell anybody who listen, I would absolutely send my daughter there uh, just because, you know, we, you've got the IB program. So yeah. the, the education level can be as, as difficult as you make it. And, and then, but the, you, you've got people from all over. And, uh, you know, j just, just my experience coaching, I've been able to connect with so many more people that were different from me. You know, there's sometimes guys that, that struggle a little bit to, to connect with people from, from different backgrounds and things like that. And one of the things I've always been able to pride myself on is, is being able to connect with, with all different kinds of kids. And, and I think that really helped set me up for it. You know, obviously, the people who I hung out with the most were the people from my neighborhood. But then you, you know, you go to school and, and, it, and it wasn't just Lamar, it was Lanier middle school. Um, and, you know, to, to a lesser degree, the rice school, I went there for its opening year. That was kind of, that was a whole, that's a whole different podcast episode right there. But, <laughs> um, but, but just being in, in HISD, you know, you're constantly around, around different people. And yeah. uh, I, I remember I, I dated a girl one time that was a private school girl and we were talking on the phone and, and I made the comment, you know, cause I, cause I'm very proud of, of public school and I'm very proud yeah. of, of, of my growing up and, and all those sorts of things. And I made the comment, Hey, you know, do you ever worry that going to private school, that's not real life. And she said, Oh, I can make it my life. I think, I think I broke up with her the next day. Right, I was like, sure. ah, that's, that's, that's not for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, I, I want to be a, a person who can who can live in the world and, and have uh, have interactions with people and get to know people like truly get to know people not uh you know not just try to try to put myself in a bubble yeah so, so I, I would love for, for my daughter to have similar experiences and, and we've had conversations you know there, there's there's times you know you'll 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 be there soon you know trying yeah. to figure out where you want to send your your kid to school and uh, I'm a huge advocate of, of public school. I think I think your education is more about what you have going on at home than than necessarily 
you know, the te- I mean, obviously, if you have great teachers, it, it helps, but your parents are going to make you, you know, you're going to, they're going to set the standards, they're going to make you uh, do your work, and, and, and you're going to get, you know, the education that you need. I'm, I'm not worried about that. I want the, the other education, and then, and, man, I'm, I'm so grateful for, for my time at Lamar, for sure. I know, man, I, I'm, I'm, kind of sad you know to leave here because i i love living inside the loop everything you talked about like the the access i mean just going i walk to astros games i mean it's that's so awesome you know and uh you know and as far as like i'm with you on public schools i'm a big public school proponent you know our son would have gone eventually to heights high school i love what coach dixon's doing over there i mean they they beat stratford this year in the first round they beat side creek a couple years ago like it really is a cool place here at, at the heights but i would say you know lamar is probably considered maybe the flagship school of HISD or the crown jewel in a way. Like I know historically, you know, Lamar has been to a state title game in my memory. I don't know. I can't remember the year, but I remember they went to state in the Astrodome, I believe, or NRG. Uh, I I went, uh, it it was, it was up in, uh, at Jerry world. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. It it was when, uh, Kellen, uh, remember the quarterback's uh, name was Colbert. That's all I remember. Yep. It, it, and it was when it was when Murray was was a sophomore, oh, okay. I think, in Ireland. Yeah. Uh, and oh man, they they were loaded. I mean, I, I want to say Lamar. We, I think we had like five guys go to SMU off of that team. Right. Uh, man, and that that was a really cool experience too. By the way, just showing up and then you you just run into all these guys that you played with that you haven't talked to in years. You know, obviously hanging out in the concourse. You got to post up on the concourse if you're if you're at a Lamar game. It's right. not in the stands. You know, where it happens is out of the stands. The social part, yeah. but. Yeah, that, that well, I, I had I have a good friend who was the former uh, head coach at Bel Air, Marshall Law. I don't know if he was there yeah. when you. I don't know if you if you don't do you know Marshall Law? Uh, a little bit. He okay. I think he was. Uh, I think he came in at the end of my time, or maybe just after. But he was there when I did my my student teaching, and so yeah, he. I, I know him. I know him a little bit. He always would talk about because Bel Air was bad when he he went to Bel Air, and they they're always in the cellar. But he kind of got it turned around. When you were in high school, was was Bel Air competitive, or were they kind of in bottom? No, of the we we usually uh, I usually got a lot of playing time against Bel Air. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but we the 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 teams that so when I was in high school, so unfortunately we're the same age as Vince Young. So yes. Madison <laughs> was awesome. Uh, my my whole four years that I was at Lamar. Um, Worthing was, was was still very good, very competitive at that point in time. Uh, and actually, Sharpstown, uh, Joseph Adai was yep. the was the quarterback at Sharpstown, uh, and so we we had some we had some battles against them as well. Uh, so really, Bel Air Bel Air was always our homecoming game, and I I, I want to say there was a point in time where in my lifetime Lamar had not lost to Bel Air. I think they got us maybe a few years ago i got to go back and look but it's yeah you're right and and it all comes back to you know the magnet stuff and right you know, the, and that, the, that you know because my, my friend you know marshall is a from the bel-air side of it and what another good friend of one of the one of the players brandon richard but you know i guess in their eyes you know lamar kind of gets all the transfers always gonna go to lamar so it's, it's not just that feeder pattern because hisd is open and roll so they were just kind of always seen as, you know, the haves, I guess, yeah. you know, and I'm curious from your perspective, cause you were actually inside. Like, did, did you sense that from the other schools that maybe people t- targeted Lamar? 
in a certain yeah, way. You know, it, it was such it was such different times. You know, I was thinking about this too with recruiting and things like that. Like yeah. we we didn't we didn't know or pay attention to a whole lot of that stuff. You know, that my my only my only real recognition of the other schools was it seemed like every week was a rivalry week rivalry week for somebody yeah. because we had kids that had transferred from right, right, that were right. that were supposed to be zoned to, and so every week there was a there was a school we were playing that somebody was supposed to be going to, sure. and you know they had you know they had beef with with somebody yeah, yeah. on the other sidelines and all that sort of stuff because of that. So that was really my only recognition of it, you know. But I, I will say, I think as a young coach, it kind of opened you know looking back on it it opened me up to the idea of, you know, we kind of say, if you build it, they will come yeah. kind of deal. And and what Bel Air guys won't tell you about is their basketball program for a long time. Sure. Right. Was the same way, you right, know, right. or baseball for sure, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, and so it kind of was one of those things with HISD. It was kind of like the unwritten unspoken thing where, Okay, if you want to play football, you go here. If you want to play baseball, sure, you go here. And, sure. and Lamar was up there in baseball as well. And there were a few years where we had some good basketball teams as well. But uh, you know, I, I think with with those magnet programs and with the fact that you know you can enroll in it and then you know the next year say eh, I wasn't really as interested in business as I, as yeah. I let on, but I still want to go to school here. You know, like, so <laughs> um, you know I'm not going to be naive and and act like you know there there's there's not anybody trying to influence kids to to do certain things or go well, certain places or anything like that. I know exactly but, what you're talking about, Shao, because uh, a former college classmate of mine is actually kind of the admissions director uh, at Lamar. Okay. And she was telling me, I mean, she's just flooded with applications year in and year out. And, yeah. and, and like you said, people can apply for like, you can apply for like every single magnet program. Is you, you know what I mean? So you kind of just apply to all of them, hope you get into one and then your, your foot's in the door. So you're totally, yeah, you're, you're spot on about that. But yeah, I, I remember coach law would always tell me that they got closer and closer to Lamar. And then one year they had them beat They were winning and Lamar came back and it was Brandon LaFell. who was in that, you know, went to LSU and plays the NFL. Yeah. They, they had him in bracket coverage and he just goes up and does Brandon LaFell things. And that's, that's how they lost the game. But so, Wait, was that so, was he around when you were there? Like maybe a couple years behind, or was it no, several years? Um, no, I, I didn't really have any any. I, I think he was he was there when I was in college. So gotcha. yeah, even even in my student teaching, I got there just after him. But it's funny. One of my good friends was a was offensive coordinator at Lamar for for a couple years, and talked to Coach Nolan. And when he when yeah. he, when he first took over as offensive coordinator, Coach Nolan said. When we struggle, just remember, there's nobody that can handle us going four verticals, three plays in a row. And so, like, there there was just – they just had this mentality that, look, at some point, like you just mentioned, even if it's double covered, he's still Brandon LaFell, you know? (laughs) um, You know, and I I experienced that. So, my – I did my student teaching at Lamar, and then my first year at at Taylor, we actually ended up playing Lamar in the playoffs. And – had to try to find a way to cover Josh Gordon uh, and uh, we're, we're fortunate to, to win that game, but he's still, you know, we had all kinds of plans for him and they still just slung it out there at one point and he made, made a couple guys miss and took it to the house. And and that that was kind of always the danger playing, playing Lamar. We always had 
kids like and still do I'll have have kids like that that, that you don't want to get in the open space because you're not going to be able to catch them I'm so glad you brought up coach Nolan because I actually I had forgotten to ask you about that but that's so great I mean you think of guys like Gary Joseph that's what I love yeah. about Texas high school football I mean you you have bigger than life personalities that have staying power some of these coaches Tom Nolan legendary he's up there like with a, with a Gary Joseph right I mean what what was he like I did. I gotta know what was it. What was he like as your head coach? I mean, I'm really. Man, about it, that. it was it was so cool to be able. I just got chills thinking about. It. Okay, it was so cool to be able to get to know him as a player. Yeah. But then also with with the student teaching, getting to know True. kind of the other side of it. But uh, as a player, he really was one of those guys that that knew everybody on the team. And he would see me and my brother walking down the hallway and, you know, here comes Schallenberger. And, and as a, as a, as a sophomore, I remember doing scouting. I didn't really understand, like, it was never really explained to me on scout team, whether I was supposed to try to make a play or not, you know, in some places it's different, different than others. And I remember, you know, I'm doing what the card says and the running back kind of runs right by me. And I just kind of like, you know, I'm jogging after him to complete the pass. And he calls me Toast, and he and he gave me my nickname Toast. And so <laughs> for the for the rest of high school, Coach Nolan would see me coming, and he would say, "Oh, here comes Toast," you know. And, and, oh, I love it. Yeah, but but he but he really he he took an interest in you, and he and he had conversations with you, and um, man, it, 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 and now we thought that he was the most intense guy we'd ever been around and 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 on game day he gets that that game day scowl going right and you do not want to cross his path you do not want to ask a question like leave him alone so then circle back and i'm doing my student teaching and i'm helping out you know with the team and i'm standing outside the locker room you know and he's outside the locker room he's joking around and he's laughing and he's talking i was like man we fell for this man like we like we we thought that this was but but he was he was really good at uh you know he was he was also really good at yelling at you in the moment and letting everybody know that this was serious and this is important but then he was also one of those you know long before everybody told you to do this he'd also come find you afterwards and and he you know he'd have a kind word for you or he'd, he'd joke around with you afterwards and, and all that sort of stuff you know and, and he he wasn't he wasn't scared every once in a while to you know do a, a terrible old white guy dance move that got everybody <laughs> all fired up and, uh, and all those things so he was he, he, he was a great guy to, to to be around i actually got to introduce him at a, a for an award at, at a ghfca uh banquet couple years ago and uh, it was such an honor man he, he just like you said he, he's he's a legend and uh and i'm i'm forever grateful for for being a part of his program for sure i, I love those stories shall because it's like for me watching him from as a fan or an outside observer like i thought he, he looks like stoic to me so i i figured he wouldn't have much humor or personality and the, the toast thing is awesome so that's yeah. great that he he could he could flip that switch man and like you said, he, he's intense on game days. It reminds me of another legend, Bill Smith, you know, who yeah. was probably similar 30. What was coach Nolan like 30 years at Lamar or something like that? Oh, I, I think it may have even been longer than that. Yeah. yeah. And so Bill Smith was kind of that equivalent at Aldine. And uh, it's funny. I had Keith Johnston came on my show and he's a former a, a sideline official, you know, and uh, I asked him kind of, like, you know, who are some of the worst 
coaches as far as you know getting getting your your uh, brow beaten in and, and he named bill smith was <laughs> one of the intense <laughs> and i was like oh man that's my guy you know but i know uh, he was like one of the nicest guys to us right that's like, the so thing. exactly right like he's a, he was a terror on friday nights on the sideline but you meet him and he's the nicest guy in the world and yeah. uh, i love hearing that you know about coaches uh like coach nolan and coach smith and last thing i wanted to ask you you i, I remember you telling me that coach nolan actually lived in the high rise like right next to lamar high school yeah, that's kind of cool. That's kind of yeah. a cool little quirk. I mean, he really was Mr. Lamar. I mean, that, that was yeah. his whole identity, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think I think still does. Very uh, cool. And and uh, yeah, he you know, he's one of those guys, you know, he had the same parking spot, you know, it was never marked, <laughs> but everybody knew that was his that was his spot. And yeah, yeah, lived lived real close by. I, I, I want to say uh, so as he as he aged a little bit, they they got him a, a gator. That he could yeah. that he could drive around practice on and and they they said you know you you better watch out when that sucker gets moving because he's not stopping but uh, but yeah he 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 really he really was Lamar High School for for the longest time it was really cool and I got to ask you this have you been by the campus recently have you seen the upgrades I've, I've seen like pictures and videos and stuff like that and I've heard about it I got to get over there sometime it's to, to impressive. See. Yeah. I want to go inside and see the weight room, but I've heard it's huge. But I mean, I, they've got new turf fields and just the building is just incredible. The big parking structure. I yeah. just kind of wonder that, like, where'd y'all park the old Lamar? I mean, it seemed like there's no parking. Yeah, it was it was pretty exclusive. You, you had yeah. to you had to get in line on a on a right. certain day in the summer to get your parking pass, and then if you either didn't want to pay the money or you you know or you couldn't, uh, then there was the road that was just to the east of, of school mm -hmm. where you could park, but you had to get there pretty early. And right. if not there, then you, I mean, it was just one of those things you found, uh, you know, either a couple blocks away, you found a spot on the street and everybody kind of uh, had their little, their little niche of, yeah. of people that they, that they parked with and you'd hang out, you know, for 20 minutes before school started and then walk over to walk over to school. But yeah, it was, it was definitely limited, which actually, funny you bring that up and i know this total sidetrack but one of my favorite stories so we we didn't have for for our games we didn't take like the coaches didn't drive the bus it was always right. either uh like good men or um rarely did were the were the district buses even available because you know houston isd so big they're always out doing routes and all those sorts of things so for varsity games we actually did charter buses, right? Uh, which I, I guess the booster club, you know, paid for. Well, one game in particular, I remember the charter buses didn't show up, and we're out there waiting, out there waiting, and finally, you know, Coach Nolan. I mean, he's he's worked himself into a tizzy at this point. There <laughs> there were some expletives, yeah. And uh, he finally says, "Okay, who drove today?" And and, and which you know. He's tired now, so I'm not going to get him in trouble. <laughs> but basically, we we carpooled over to the football game, you know, and, and and I remember specifically, you know, so my car was a little bit further away, and so you know there were guys that had pickup trucks, which obviously made it easy because you could you know throw yeah. equipment in the back and hop in. My car is a little further away. I go to get my car. By the time I pull back up, like as I'm pulling up, there's there's no players left to come with me. <laughs> but then the the coach buses pull up right behind me. <laughs> and, and, the like I said, the string of expletives that came out yeah. of that man's mouth as my window was rolled down to ask, is there anybody else that needs a ride? I was like, 
nope, no one else. I'm good. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and take off. So it, it, that was pretty funny. That's awesome, man. Coaches and bus problems. I tell the story when I had to charter the bus when we went to play Tomball Memorial, and they showed up late. For some reason, they drove the six ten loop to get to Tomball, like by the gallery, and like I'm like, oh my god, we're gonna be late for this game, and I'm the one that booked this charter. Like Coach Sniff is gonna rip my head off. Like it was the same thing. He was just fuming. You could just see the yeah. smoke coming out of his ears, man. But uh, yeah. yeah, fun times. But yeah, so that that's your that's your experience growing up in Houston. I'm rocking the Warren Moon jersey for you since you are a true Houstonian, man. Got my throwback uh, Warren Moon jersey. But Thank let's you. move on. Let's move on to college. So you're an Aggie, man, and that that's where that's where our paths crossed. I'll yeah. never forget. You you were good friends of my, with my good friend Jacob Cooper, and we were watching the first ever showdown of Yao Ming versus Shaq. Yeah, in, in Cooper's dorm room, and we're, you know you were there and some other friends and. That was just an incredible game. We had a great time. But let's let's talk about uh, A&M. Was, was it something where, you, as you know, growing up, you always wanted to, to be an Aggie, or, or, did, or did you develop that later? So I was one of the ones that knew every Aggie joke there was for <laughs> a period of time. You know, I thought that they were a lesser breed of human, <laughs> all, all, all the things. And then when I was in, like, eighth grade, ninth grade, somewhere in there, uh, we had a, a youth minister that I got really close to that had gone to AM and he was a kinesiology major and he majored in outdoor education. And I had never heard of majoring in kinesiology before, but I was like, wait a minute, like you can, you can do that. Like that sounds like yeah. the coolest thing ever, yeah. you know? So really, first of all, expanded my mind on what I wanted to study in, in college. Uh, but then also, you know, just hearing his stories uh, about things and, uh, you know, my, the first ever game that I went to was, and, and we had planned on going before it all happened, but the first game after September 11th, that red, white, and blue mm -hmm. uh, deal with, with the stadium. And, and I went to midnight yell practice. And for that to be the first time that I set foot on, on campus, like I, I was, I was hooked at that point in time. And just, just the, the whole notion that you're you're part of the team just by being here, right? Uh, you know, it, it. I know there's a lot of people out there that it's that it's cultish, and and I used to, you know, I, I drank the juice. I was a fish. You were one of those counselor. guys, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, and, and I, I was all in. And I, I've, you know, I've, I've grown up a little bit, you know, and and yeah. I realize it's, it's not it's not for everybody, and and it's changed a little bit to be honest. You know, I think uh, joining the SEC kind of. Uh, and, and and bonfire no longer right. officially taking place. I think some of that natural camaraderie has has kind of shifted a little bit. There's a lot more Greek uh, life. Not that that's good or bad. It's just different. Uh, and uh, but but yeah, we we loved it, man. And and, and right. my my years, you know, seems like a lifetime ago. Unfortunately, now, but right. uh, but great great experiences and and, and great time at AM for sure. And I, I mean, I'm more on the burnt orange side of, of that debate. I mean, I, I grew up with Ricky Williams and I just fell in love, you know, <laughs> with the Longhorns at that point. But yeah. I, I'm not one of those haters that like, I, I think A&M's great. I love the, I love the, my favorite part is just the, them yelling the entire game and standing. Yeah. I, I love stuff like that. Yeah. But it kind of reminds me like whenever you go, like when, you know, as you know, I'm half Japanese. And um, when I go to pro sports games in Japan, the fans like, it's like you said, they feel like they're a part of the team and like their cheering is going to elevate the, it's like, they feel like, yes. you know, we have a responsibility to cheer. And so it's like organized yes. cheers. So kind of like yell leaders, 
Yeah. You know? It's very similar in that regard. And so I love that. I love that part of AM. So definitely no no Aggie hate for me. Uh I, I, I am excited, I guess, for you know, UT and AM to kind of reignite that rivalry. Yes. You yes. know, that's gonna be pretty cool. But finally. You know, yeah. But uh one question I always ask, Shao, I think I know the answer to this, but whenever you stepped foot on in on uh on campus there in College Station, did you already know you wanted to be a coach? No. So okay. at at one point I was, uh, I wanted to be athletic trainer. I just, I wanted to be around the game. I knew I wanted to be around the game in some capacity. I knew I wanted to be a Kines major. And so my, my story of actually getting into coaching was uh, we were, I was home on Christmas break and probably two years in and uh, we were jogging around rice and, you know, something my mom and I did, you know, pretty regularly. And I, I saw that there was a football practice happening there and turned out it was Navy practicing for at that point in time, I believe it was the gallery furniture.com bowl. Oh yeah. And I remember that. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm like looking through the bushes. Cause I, I finished a little bit before my mom, you know, I tried, tried to try to be a little bit in better shape than, than somebody who's 30 years older than me, but, uh, turned on to toast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but I'm looking through the bushes, trying to see, and this guy walked around. He's like, "Hey, it's an open practice. You can go in." I'm like, oh, cool. So my mom catches up, and I say, "Hey, you know, let's let's go in and watch a little bit." Because I loved football, um, but yeah, you know, I, you know, before you coach, you think you know football, and and okay. you really don't. But anyways, so I went and I sat down. I, I sat next to this lady, and we just got to talking. It turns out, she's the head, the wife of the head coach at Henderson State. And uh, we ended up talking for two hours. My mom left at one point. She said, I got other things to do. Like, I'll come pick you up or you can walk home, whatever. But uh, we're talking. And, and at that point in time, I was working in the student ministry at my church uh, during the summers as an intern. And we, we just hit it off talking. At the end of it, she said, you know what? I think you'd be a really good coach. And it, it wasn't really something that had, that had occurred to me before that. Uh, but I started kind of looking at it and I, you know, I didn't feel called into, into full-time ministry. And uh, I started looking at kind of the careers that, that my kinesiology, that specific kinesiology track was going on. I was enjoying the classes, but it wasn't really, you know, I didn't really want to be a physical therapist or, or anything like that. And uh, so I, I changed my major. And at that point in time, I started saying, okay, how can I, how can I become a, a coach? So, my degree was in PE and I got good advice that said, you know, you got to get another certification. Sure. You're not going to get a, a PE job in a high school coming straight out. So when I graduated, I, I took my math test and got certified in math. Uh, and, you know, as they say, the, the rest is history from there. But, but, but that, 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 kind of, that kind of speaks to how, I, like, like I said earlier yeah. about how I feel about coaching. It, it, it really, it's it's about and I know it's so cliche sometimes and some people say it and they don't really mean it but really is about investing in the young men and the and the young women that you coach uh, more than you know the, the X's and O's are a lot of fun but that, yeah. that's not what what gets me out of bed in the morning for sure. I, I just remember your your computer lab at Aldine High School. What what yeah. course was that exactly? That was that was they called it online learning. That was that's ingenuity. <laughs> Yeah, and all the kids had, you know, several of the kids had different things. And man, yeah. that's, I'll tell you what, that that's a, that's a good gig right there. Yeah, but, I remember coming in there and checking on you, and you, you look like yeah. you're having a good time. 
yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you know, you, you get you get a, you get a lot of film watched in in, right. in that class right there. But but really, the kids are on self paced sure. uh, yeah. things, and, and and most of them are behind. But you know, there 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 were times for sure that you know you're in there and you're you're helping a kid. You know, they uh, and it's not even necessarily in your subject area. You know, sometimes they're taking English, something like that. But all Dean was really good. They had these teachers that they could they could chat with or do a video zoom cool. you know, not zoom at that point in time but they could they could have a session with a remote session with and they could help them as well so even if it was something that i didn't i didn't know they had somebody that could that could help them out but yeah that was that was fun so as far as your coaching career you, you, you started student teaching at lamar we've already covered the aldean portion pretty extensively but let's talk about the katie taylor so that yeah. was your first official full-time coaching gig was at katie taylor and um Katie Taylor is a school that I, I know pretty well. We used to play them in high school at Fort Bend Austin, uh, you know, when I was a freshman and sophomore. And, of course, now I'm moving to Katie, so I have interest in, in that district in 196A. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we're actually going to be – where we're living is, is Katie High School. So okay. my son, Bo, does elect to play football. He'll, he'll be a Katie Tiger, which is pretty cool for a guy growing yeah, up yeah. in Houston. But uh, yeah. talk to me about Taylor. I mean, they, they, they've not never, I guess, really gotten to the heights as like a Katie, but they're always good. I mean, they're, yeah. they're traditionally a good program. So just kind of describe to me um, what it was like at Katie Taylor. I find Katie Taylor interesting also that it's it's kind of the closest to Houston. You know, it's like you're kind of like butting up with like the spring branch, you know, like, yeah. you know, and so, you know, for you that's used to being inside the loop, did you sense that about Katie Taylor? Was it like kind of different than the rest of Katie or no? I'm, I'm curious about that. I know no, it's an older no. community. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say that. There's definitely a history there uh, yeah. because you know it was first it was katie then it was taylor uh then i think made creek was was the third one but uh so there's there's definitely kind of a kind of a heritage and a, a you know a feeling of, of pride in, in that portion of it uh but man it, it was I, i've talked to a couple guys about this i was so fortunate those first few years i was on a staff of guys that truly enjoyed being around each other and working together and really it kind of spoiled me because you know that first year so our offensive coordinator that first year was Larry Edmondson who uh, is is mostly a career college coach and really did a great job he was only there for that one year uh, but he and and coach Ryzen the head coach uh, actually were, were staying in an apartment together because their wives still lived up in the Dallas area because they had just uh been at SMU previously and so they kind of did some of the game plan and stuff on their own at, at the apartment and things like that but but everybody else just I, I've never been on a staff that really meshed that way before where, where really everybody got along after games we'd go you know hang out at, at whatever restaurant was was open and things like that the, the second and third year Doug Stevens was the offensive coordinator and and he, he and Flint had had a relationship prior as well to where, you know, they, even if they butted head, because Coach Ryzen was the offensive line coach and I was working under him. I was the assistant offensive line coach. And so sometimes later OCs struggled a little bit with knowing, is this the offensive line coach giving me advice or is this the head coach giving me a directive, you know? Sure. And, and so I think those guys that knew him well were really able to, uh, to to understand that and to and to kind of decode that as to times when they could say like eh, yeah he's saying that but I'm gonna call this anyways and I, and I think it's gonna work you know 
So that, they had a, that's kind of unique. Can you elaborate? So Coach Risen was the offensive line coach. Just yeah. Okay, I, I've I've not seen that. You know, t- traditionally most head coaches don't have a position, and they kind of right. Well, so talk about that, Shaw. That's really interesting. Yeah. So so you know, and this was my first job. So yeah, it was you know as far as I knew, it was you know it was normal or whatever. But you know, I, and I think I think the reason he hired me was because he knew I had played a little bit of offensive line, but he also wanted somebody who was green enough that. I wasn't going to try to institute my own ways of doing things. I was going to do it how he told me to do it. And I, and I was, because that was, that was the way that I knew. And uh, so that was, that was really a blessing. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it, there were, there were times when it, it when it, it didn't, it didn't work out as well for, for that reason, because, because again, the, there were the guys that, that didn't maybe necessarily know him as well, weren't sure you know, which, yeah. which person they were talking to, was this the it, offensive line coach or was this the head coach? And, and but, it, but, uh, you know, I think to a degree, you know, looking back on it, you know, now as somebody who, who very much wants to be a head coach and is looking for, you know, opportunities to, to do that. I've seen it twice. Now we, we had, we had, there was another coach I worked for that, that coached a position as well. And I think the tough thing there too is, is for the kids sometimes too, because if I'm a defensive lineman and the, the head coach is telling me something, obviously, you know, I, I, I need to do that. But then if the head coach is the offensive line coach who to a degree is coaching against me, not against me, but you know yeah. what I mean? In, yeah. in, in a good on good situation or something like that. I think sometimes it, it introduces doubt that you don't want to be there. Uh, if, if, if that makes sense. Uh, I you, understand. You don't, yeah. You don't, you don't want, you don't want kids to ever wonder whether, whether the head coach, you know, has uh, somebody else's back more than he has mine. And, and not that, not that he did. Sure. But kids sometimes, struggle differentiating which oh he's just saying you know we, we've all we've all seen it before oh he's just saying that because he's the running backs coach or he's just saying that because he's the receivers coach and I'm a and I'm a corner you know or what, whatever and so you, you don't want that to be an issue with the head coach I don't think coaches I mean we know it gets competitive like yeah. spring ball I mean it's it's really competitive but yeah like I can see what you're saying because I remember coach Sniffin he didn't have a, a position technically but it kind of felt like he was more on the offense, you know, and yeah. I, I know my defensive players felt it, you know, right. like we, he, we felt like we were, like, we're kind of, kind of competing <laughs> against him sometimes, you yeah. know, and uh, so I, I can totally, you know, see what you're saying, but with, with, with him being, Oh, did you want to elaborate on that? Well, I was, I was yeah. going to say, I've, I've thought about that. It, it's almost kind of like when you're coaching and your son's on the team, you know, like I've, I've thought about that a lot yeah. to where a lot of guys, they go harder on their son sure, to make sure. sure everybody knows it's not there. Yeah. There is no, you know, uh, feeling here yeah. that, that, I, that I'm giving preference. And so I, I think if, if I were to do that, I think that would be, you know, like, Hey, I'm, I'm blown. That was holding bring back. You know, if I'm an offensive coach as a head yeah. coach, you know, I'm, I'm the default is going to be the defense wins. Not the default is going to be the, the offense wins, you know? Yeah. And so to, with him being the head coach did, and you, the assistant, O-line coach did, did were there often times where he was pulled away and you kind of became the, the, the head guy for the O-line or I'm kind of curious how that worked for for the first couple of years for sure no uh, right. I wasn't yeah I wasn't ready for it and, yeah. and but I, 
I think he he is one that I think has done, you know, right, wrong, or, or indifferent. He has done the best job that that I've been around head coach of of telling people, people outside of football that, hey, once 11-20 hits or whatever that athletic period was, he says, I'm a football coach during football season. So, like, I, he – if you need to get with me, if we need to work on something, it needs to happen, you know, between this time and this time in order for, for, for it to get done. Cause, uh, cause this time is protect, protected. Now, uh, a few years in, you know, there were, there were things and he would say, Hey, I need you to run, you know, practice today. We're doing this drill, this drill, and this drill. And I was like, yeah, got it. No problem. And, but, but those, those first couple of years, he, he, he was running it for sure. Because you, and you guys were very successful. I mean, that might have been maybe the high point of Katie Taylor football. I would say. I mean, well, so they a couple years ago, I think they made uh, state. They did. That's right. Yeah, yeah, they did have a good run. Uh, they, they they had a good run that year and, and ran into a very tough Westlake team. Uh, but yeah, we, for for a while there, you know, so my first year we went three rounds deep. And again, kind of spoiled me because I'm thinking, oh, well, that's, you know, what you're supposed to do, you know, because at at Lamar, we always made the playoffs as well. And, uh, and so, you know, guys are hugging and high five. And I was like, what? we just made the playoffs. Like, that's not a big deal. Second year, we, we, so first year we went three rounds, second year, one, uh, third year, two. And then the next three years got really lean. I think we went uh, one and nine, one and nine, two and eight. Yeah. And. Uh, so and so that's when I really started to appreciate, you know, what we had accomplished in the, those previous years. Uh, and uh, and then, you know, Co- Coach Risen was, uh, you know, was was reassigned after that that sixth year. And, and uh, Coach Herman came in uh, and, and we had we went a couple rounds deep uh, my, my last year there before uh-huh. before you and I headed off to Aldine. But. Man, one of the, the just just about Taylor in general. It, it's just one of those places that is so so supportive. The 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 parents and uh, the community, and you know, we raised ridiculous amounts of, of money through through the booster club and things like that. But man, just just good people. I mean, there there's a lady named Michelle Caverline who uh, who. I think we we played against each other and she still sent me some pictures after the game that she took of, of our team, you know, and then she's, you know, she's one of those people where she'd send her son with like six sandwiches to, to, you know, to attract me or something to the, Hey, just, you know, give the other four or five that you don't want to somebody else. But we're not talking like peanut butter and jelly, like a Keverline sandwich. Like, like <laughs> there were co- coaches legitimately, that, that was one of the few arguments that I saw in the field house was, when one coach got a Keverline sandwich and another coach did not, we're talking like the whole deli is on this sandwich. Um, and you, you were pretty bummed if you didn't, if you didn't get one, but yeah, great, great community. And like I said, it, it'd be a great place to to work and be back at for sure. And I got to ask, I mean, talk about sandwiches. If I just had a flashback to the, the, the sandwiches we had for game day at Aldean, I don't remember where I found that place, but those were good, man. It was awesome. Always great to come back to the field house after a game and have those sandwiches sitting out for us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, so as far as you know, those those good years at Katie Taylor. I know recently Tompkins knocked off Katie and Cinco did it one time a couple years you know before that. But Katie's kind of been you know the the best in in nineteen six A. Did you guys ever beat Katie? No, the the closest we came 
was I think I think that first year again it would it was a it was a televised game uh on on the cube and we I want to say at halftime we were up 13-7 and unfortunately we had two touchdown passes that were dropped mm. uh, to where it, in the first half to where it could have been 21-7 wow uh, and they came back in in the second half and I think it was a pretty low scoring game and, and, and we ended up losing it. You know, the, the, the really tough thing about Katie is a lot of times your team's down 14, nothing before you start the game, you know, just the, sure. the mental sure. aspect of it. And I, I always like to do this before again. I don't know if it helped or not, but even before our JV games, you know, because the, they, they were undefeated on all the, all the levels. Right. Uh, one year, one year we scored a touchdown late and decided to go for two in the win rather than one in the tie on the JV level. Yeah. And uh, we had a one-on-one with the running back and the linebacker and, and they stopped us at the one yard line. But, yeah. um, you know, on JV games, I, I always used to ask my guys, I bring the offensive line in. I say, Hey, how many state championships have those guys over there won? And they were like, Oh, I don't know, like six, seven. No, no, no. It was eight. They got one last, you know, all, whatever it was. And I said, zero. They are JV football players, right. just like you guys. You right. know, and 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 I, I think sometimes maybe that there were some groups that that kind of resonated with that calmed them down a little bit. But you know, even even the fact that you know you're you've got you know 35 JV guys on the sideline and they've got 73 JV guys on the sideline, you know that intimidates kids. You know, sure. and they and they see these waves of kids that are that are just you know big you know, corn fed, whatever, whatever the expression. Yeah. I mean, they always yeah. seem to have offensive lines that were just absolutely yeah. enormous. But, you know, and, and I think they, the cool thing though, too, is, you know, if, if your, your son might fit in this guy, yeah. you know, you grow up dreaming about being yeah. Katie Tiger, you, yeah. you know, in seventh and eighth grade, you're running the Katie offense, you know, and, and, and all the way through, there's no changes. You know, at one point in time when I was at Taylor, there was a stretch where uh, I think we had, you know, three different offensive coordinators in, in three right. years, you know, right. and, right. and even if they're good, that's still things that you're having sure. to learn and adjust and, and redo. Whereas, you know, they're still running their cue toss or, or whatever, whatever they, whatever they call that play where the quarterback ends up becoming a, a lead blocker and all yeah. that stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, it was really cool because uh, Andres Gomez went to Katie. I don't know if, if you knew that, but yeah. it was kind of yeah. cool. Like, cause I, I've always watched them from afar and I see all the little cool traditions they do. Like in, you know, in pregame where they kind of like, it's like they're at a sleepover. They, they circle yeah. up, they kick yeah. their feet in the air and then they, they flip the guy after they do the run through. And I was kind of asking them about that stuff. But my, one of my best friends is the head football coach at seven lakes, Jimmy Hammond team player yeah. podcast alum. And so I always like to ask people, and especially now I'm moving to Katie. I'm like, how do they do it? You know, how for this many years with all the growth in Katie, usually what happens, you know, you know, this, like when you build new schools, it kind of dilutes the, the talent pool, you know, yeah. but Katie's weathered the crazy growth in Katie ISD and they're always competitive. And so you kind of mentioned like the feeder pattern and that kind of stuff. But since you were, I mean, do you have any theories on how they've been able to be so good for so long? Yeah, I, I think part of it is what I just mentioned about yeah. just they don't you know, so many times we have kids that move away and, and Katie doesn't seem to ever have kids yeah. move away, you know, and, but, but they, I think one of the things that they 
they really have is is obviously an identity. You know, they're going to, you know, I don't know 100% how they divide up their their talent, you know, as far as freshmen, you know, saying, hey, you're playing this position, you're playing this position. But I have a pretty good suspicion that they take the best athlete and they stick him at running back. And then I, I think they, I think they, the next 11 are defensive guys, you right. know, and uh, it, it, it's funny because, we've debated i mean there's probably not a more studied defense or try or or attempted duplicated defense than the katie defense yeah and you hear people talking about it all the time and and there's several schools that that have their lineage come from that and but we've even debated it before like well what makes the katie defense special oh well they got it they they usually have a really good defensive line okay but then some people say well you know I, i really think it's their linebackers that make them go and then there's some people that say no, it's 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 the safeties that that really. And, and that's it's what not, I think. <laughs> and, and, I, I'm but, in that camp. I'm in the safeties camp. <laughs> yeah, but but then you could even you know you could say well you know the DBs are made better by the defensive line or the linebackers sure, sure. are clean because the defensive line takes care of or the or the safeties you know like but it, it's uh man it, it's I've, I've been to a few practices. I've known a couple of coaches that have, that have been over there. And during the playoffs, when we've been eliminated, I've, I've gone and, you know, it's the, the, the details remain the same, you know, and, and, and their, their routine remains the same. And they have, yeah. uh, they have kids that are, that are bought in. But then I think, you know, one, one year it really crystallized. We were doing pregame and our kids are running routes, warming up with the quarterback. And by the time they're bringing the ball back, because we have eight, you know, eight to 10 varsity receivers, it's their turn to run again. Mm-hmm. You look over at Katie's line and they're, they've got 10 guys in each line. And yeah. so the star dude you know, only runs, you know, a couple routes sure. <laughs> when, they, when they, when they need to, or when they, yeah. when they want to, you know, they're not, they didn't have to take 35 reps before the game started, you know, but then the other thing about that, having the numbers is, you know, when, if if there's a kid that's not getting it done, there's a kid right behind him that you, you know that you can put in. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think we've both been in situations where, you know, you you want to fire somebody and you look around, you're like, well, I guess you're still playing, you sure. know, because there's we don't we don't have anybody that can that that else that can do it. And so I think, but then you know, there's that competition, you know, that that everybody is trying to be the next, you know, guy. And, um, you know, you could name all kinds of names, but. Uh, but I, I think I think their defensive identity and their numbers uh, are are the two. You know, obviously they've had great coaches too. You know, it, it, it's I mean it's it's a perfect storm. And, and 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 really that's the reason why if you really look, no, not very many people that have left there have been able to replicate it somewhere else. You know, they obviously they know the X's and O's. They're trying to do the same things, uh, but it, it's not the same culture. And, and and that culture and and that expectation and that confidence, you know, that you'll, you'll hear whispers about Katie magic and all this sort of stuff where there's at some point in the game, there's going to be that time that you have to keep from them scoring, you turning the ball over them scoring again, because I've been in so many games where, you know, it's 14, 10, and then you look up and, and two minutes of game time later, it's, 35 to 10, you know, and, and you're just like, what the heck just happened? You know? And, yeah. and so that's the part that you have to avoid. And very rarely does that happen to them. 
Yeah, no, and I'm I, they're always good. I know Coach Hammond talks about the offensive line. Like he feels like it's the offensive line is what's driving them to so much success. But they're really they're good everywhere, and like they're tackling as is always. I've yeah. marveled at that. I don't know how, how they're teaching tackling, but they are so good at open field tackling. And then the other thing I noticed watching that defense, their players just play at such a full breakneck speed. Yeah, it, it just looks. And honestly, when you I'm, I broadcast a game, I'm, I'm like they look like they're playing at a different speed than their opponent. Yeah. And it's, and it's just, I think they have, I think their rules take care of everything. Cause if you think about, you know, for it, it's so easy when you play against them for seven straight years and, and just get your teeth kicked in so, so many times, it's so easy to, to want to hate what they're doing, you know, right. and, and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. But as I separated from it, I had so much respect because I was thinking, think about the fact that every single week, somebody thinks I've got this play or this scheme or this formation or that like they've got some special thing that they have saved for Katie or that they have contrived for Katie that they think this is what's going to help us to. to, And so the fact that those kids can still, I mean, they think about by the time they get to week, you know, 14, 15, there's probably not a scheme that they have not seen in some way, shape or form. And I think that again, that sharpens them and 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 things like that. But you got to have respect for their coaches because I, I can't remember a time where I watched and I've seen a bunch of their games where I've watched the game and you see the kids like freak out and start looking at each other with their hands up like right. what do we do or where do I go? They, they just know their rules and they slide out. They said I'm splitting the different or whatever the rule is sure, and they're sure. they're just executing. Yeah, I think I think maybe our senior year was like the one year they had a down year, I guess for their for their ex. Because I, th- I, th- I Vince Young knocked him out of the playoffs, and it was early, maybe second yeah. round, or you know, and it was at the Astrodome. And obviously, because yeah. you know we're we're both the same class of two thousand and two, and yeah. I actually met a linebacker. I think his name was Matt Nesbitt. He was from from the team before that won state, and uh, I was on a recruiting visit to Texas Lutheran, where he where he's playing football, and. uh we were talking about it, and he just kind of said, "Yeah, that that class behind us are, are screw ups." Or, you know, Katie guys are badasses, you know. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, typically they have this incredible amount of being bought in, but for whatever reason, he felt like that class behind wasn't at that same level, and they they did not advance advance as far. But uh, no, Katie's yeah. cool, and I like like you're talking about the tradition, like the daycare that my son's going to go to is called Tigerland Daycare. Nice. Where else do you see that? Like these yeah. kids are being raised to be Katie Tigers, so. That's pretty cool. Last last story on Katie, man. You talk about, you know, that going three rounds your first year. My first year was at Fort Bend Clements. We went 13 and one. Yeah. And, and, and football has a way of humbling you. My last year was 0 and 10. So I've seen it all. That's what I always yeah. tell people. I've seen it all. But we met Katie at the regional final. Uh, Derek Carr was our quarterback, you know, the former Raider. So, that was, so we, had, we had a good team. Uh, we beat Andrew Luck on the way there at Stratford. So that was, you know, but we, we get to we get to Katie at Rice Stadium and they're doing their pregame. You know, and one of we had this backup linebacker who was a senior that we'd let back on the team. He'd been removed for disciplinary reasons or whatever. He runs right through their warm up. Big mistake. Don't poke the bear, man. And I, I don't think we crossed midfield in that game. I really yeah. we're we were undefeated football team. We're thirteen and zero. We knocked off knocked off Andrew Luck. You know, but, yeah. but uh, that was just that was pretty crazy. But all right, yeah. so then you know, let's talk about now. Let's let's fast forward to the present. Uh, you're at Hightower. I know uh, you just rave about Coach Cornelius Anthony. We definitely got to get him on the show too. But yeah. you guys had a great season. You know, I do another podcast where I pick games. And I was always pretty, really high on Hightower. And yeah. I got to talk about this game, the Ridgepoint game. 
you know, as mm -hmm. me, I'm a former Panther. I, I do, I do bleed purple, you know, still, yeah. but from everything I could see, I didn't get to, get to actually watch the game, but just watching highlights. I mean, it, it felt like that was your game to win. You had yeah. Richmond on the ropes and kind of like you talked about with Katie, they got a couple fortuitous things, right? Like they, they ran back a kickoff. They blocked the yeah. field goal. You returned that, I think. Right. I mean, this had yeah. some incredible plays and I think it's obviously a tough game to, to, to think back on, but just, Let's talk about that first. Let's talk about that incredible game against Ridgepoint and just kind of the emotions and what happened there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, going into it, we, we felt like we had a we had a pretty good plan. You know, there, there's always there's that little bit of, of doubt that you have sometimes where, you know, you see something on tape and you think we think we can take advantage of it. And then kind of early on in the game, you you try and you say, okay, is this something that that's real or was it fool's gold? And maybe their talent is, is, you know, better than what we thought it was and we're not going to be able to execute. So I remember first drive of the game and I want to say it was, it was one of those that's like 12 to 14 plays, you know, offensively that we, that we just marched it down the field uh, and, and we scored. And I remember bringing the offensive line over and, and talking with them and, and talking about the, the defense that they ran up. They they uh, they ran against us, the fronts that they showed. And for those that don't know, uh, they're, you know, kind of from that Iowa State style where mm -hmm. uh, they're they're really very multiple in, in what they do and, and showing a lot of different things and guys coming from depth and things like that. But, uh, you know, we felt like up front that – we were going to be able to handle. I, I was. I had a very good offensive line this year. Uh, four guys of, uh, excuse me, five guys have already uh, signed to go play somewhere, and and, wow. and one guy will be soon. Um, so a lot, a lot to replace. Sure. Uh, but uh, we we were able to we were able to move them around a little bit, and, and you know just get four yards, five yards, three yards, but, but all you know positive and and mixing it up and so they were mixing it up and we were talking on the sideline we said they lined up in this front one time they lined up in this front for a couple of plays they lined up in this front a couple of plays i said what does that tell you and they said that they're searching for something they're they, they don't know you know they don't know what they need because we're a you know we can be a two tight end uh we can be a, a one tight end and a fullback uh you know sometimes even a little bit of 10 percent so we, we kind of bounce into some different things and, and we really felt like with our with the extra surfaces that we have and the, and the extra men that we threw into the run game that we were going to be able to run the ball and and we were able to and our defense shut them down uh, for for the first half uh, you know with I want to say with eight minutes left in the third quarter we scored to make it seventeen nothing and I was talking to my guy you know at, at that point you you've got some confidence, but at that point you're as a coach, it, it now becomes, Hey, let's calm down and not get out of control. Like let's not, let's not, let's not get too, you know, start feeling ourselves and, yeah. and all those yeah. sorts of things. And so I remember saying, Hey, it's a three score game. We're, so if, if we can get a stop and get the ball back, you, you know, it's really going to be about slowing it down, running some clock and, and we're going to be in good shape. Well, then they take that kickoff back for for a touchdown. Which right. okay, hey, it's two score game. Like we're you know, but we're gonna have to go about go out there and respond. 
the ensuing kickoff, they kick it off, and uh, one of our guys has to, you know, the cardinal sin of, of kickoff return is that you're moving while you're trying to catch the ball, and he's running up on it, and it bounces off of his shoulder pads. They recover it uh, on, you know, like a plus 35 or something like that. I didn't know they, that part. Wow. I Yeah, li- uh, literally back-to-back yeah. plays. And they, and they score on the very next play offensively. Yeah. And they hadn't done anything really. I mean, they, they, they excuse me, I take that back. They drove a couple of times, but we had shut them out on points. They, they So right. they went for it on fourth down, I think inside the 10, or maybe even inside the five, like right before halftime, we stopped them. That was huge. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that was in the first half. So we, our defense had, had been playing really well, though. And yeah. uh, so they scored. So now it's 17-14. Well, then we get the ball back and we drive and we, you know, we sputter a little bit. And, and, and I, I think maybe there was even a bad snap or something like that. But we um, we have to kick a field goal, which would have made it 20 to 14. Uh, yeah, 20 to 14, which, you know, you're still in good shape. I apologize. They went they had gone for two for some reason. So I think it was like 17 to 12. Anyway, okay. the, the the field goal would have made it an eight-point game, which we're right. still feeling pretty good about because they uh, – I think they missed an extra point and then they went, they went for two and they didn't get that. So we were still like, okay, if we kick a field goal, gotcha. we're still up. Yeah. By, they got to put it in the end zone twice to tie right. it. Field goal gets blocked and they take that back to the house. And so now it's, you know, 19 to 17. And, uh, but, and you can just feel – the man i i know they say momentum some people say momentum isn't real and all that sort of stuff sure. uh but man it's it i think the most demoralizing part about it was for a lot of the guys they felt like you know whether they, whether they were defensive guys or they were offensive guys they almost felt like the points were scored in situations that we weren't even like a part of you know sure. what i mean like so yeah. you know yeah. defensive line are saying well shoot they scored on kickoff return and then they scored right after a, a muffed kickoff return and so yeah you know, we, we don't even have control of it so it, it's just very demoralizing to feel like it's out of your control that they're that they're scoring these points um and then we we still drove down and and i can't remember what happened on that job we, we we i think we went for it on fourth down and, and and didn't get it and then our defense had to be you know, ultra aggressive and their quarterback pulled it a couple of times and was able to, was able to get around. So, you know, uh, so they, they put another score on us. A lot of, a lot of tears, a lot of, a lot of things like that. I mean, we, we pretty much knew going into it that that was for the district championship, even though it was only the the second game of, of district. Uh, You know, we felt, we felt like that was going to be the one. And, and, um, you know, I, I had to convince guys, I, you know, I, I tried to tell these guys, hey, look, you know, you deserve to go over and shake those guys' hands. You know, they wanted to they wanted to cry about it. And, and I, I'm not going to lie. I had a, I had there were a couple of tears in my eyes. I, 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 even in my, you know, success, we've, we've never won a district championship on a team that I've that I've been a part of. So, yeah. uh, man, it, it hurt bad, but it forced us to look at what we were doing special teams wise and we made some we made some adjustments you know I I, I was heavily involved in, in field goal and and we changed uh, what we did on on field goal based on the pressure that we that we got and we put in a couple of different calls and things like that so people couldn't couldn't jump the snap count and 
uh, you know, we changed some things that we did on, on kickoff return and, and some personnel and things like that. So I think there are things that happen, you know, it's, it's the classic, you know, you gotta, you gotta learn from it. Uh, don't, don't let it beat you twice and things like that. But uh, that was, that was gut wrenching yeah. uh, and, and really disappointing, especially, I didn't even know there was a trophy, but then, but then right. they, they, you know, they pull out this trophy and, and they're all jumping around. They'll so, wake up, right? Some... <laughs> yeah. Huh? I think it's called the Tollway Cup or something. Or yeah, 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 something, something like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and you know, you're you're just thinking about you know, as a team moving up from five A to six A, yeah. you yeah. know, this is this is a moment that you can put your flag in the ground and say, we're here. You know, we're we're just because we're the smallest enrollment team in the in the athletic district right. uh, doesn't mean that you're gonna you know you're gonna you're gonna walk all over us and and so uh, you know that yeah that was that was heartbreaking but but. Great game. And, and, what a game. and, and yeah. as offensive line coach, man, I'm so proud. You know, they got they got guys, you know, Indy Kalu. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess maybe that's the dad's name. The dad is Indy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but man, you know, got guys that are that are going places and, and I got you know, I got a guy that's that's going to you know, D three trying to trying to block him. But man, I was so proud of 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 you know, there, there's nothing better than as an offensive line coach than than being able to line up in like single wing and 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 get yeah. two yards to to yeah. score. I mean, that that's a pretty proud moment. You I mean, one thing you'll probably re- remember about me, my style of a head coach. I was very, I I, I like to watch the sideline. I was yeah. always looking behind me to see if anybody was pouting or that was kind of like my thing. And yeah. uh, I, I still do that now as a broadcaster. I always tell the story about Andres Gomez. I was yeah. doing their game uh, against Booker T. Washington. And Gomez, I think he got his first win this season against our Aldine Mustangs. It was his first mm-hmm. career victory. So he finally did it. But he'd been chasing a win, and they were beating Booker T. Washington in this game. Th- they're holding on to a lead late. Booker T., you know, in, in a really inexcusable situation, right? If you're protecting a lead, you don't want to get beat deep, right? Well, that's exactly what happens. Corner gets beat. They score a long touchdown to go ahead. And I watched Coach Gomez in this moment. Instead of throwing up his hands or getting upset, or he, what he does, he immediately spins around and he runs over to get the kickoff return team ready. And yeah. as, as he's running, you know, as he's doing that, you know, he's, he's clapping and getting guys up off the sideline immediately. Yeah. That's good coaching, man. And yeah. he did not let like a second of, of what was me. I mean, he immediately went back into it. So my question is, you had a that's really tough break, man. To kick off return followed by a muff and then the touchdown, a block. I mean, what do you what do you recommend coaches do in that moment? Like, like the moment that it happens. Like, what, what as a coach, how are you trying to address the players and, and try to get through those tough times? Yeah, I, I, the first thing I think I appealed to is, and it's going to sound maybe counterintuitive, but I I tried to play into that detachment. Did you give up that and not to not to point the finger at anybody? Sure. Yeah. But to hammer home the fact that this defensive line has not stopped us all night long. Yeah. When we get this ball back, we're going to have to continue to do those things that have got us to the to that point that helped us to build that control what you control. Nothing, nothing lead. Yeah. And 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 try to tap into yeah exactly what you said control the part that you can control and you focus on doing your portion of it and then and then the rest will will take care of itself 
Man, and Shao, I love what you said about because they were flipping the front that like yeah. guys, we they're, they're searching. They're they're nervous. Yeah. I always remember the the Michigan TCU game. Uh, I forget the name of the, that that middle linebacker that TCU had that was so good this season. He was interviewed yeah. and, and he said that when Michigan went for the trick play at the goal line on the first drive, he said at that moment we knew we had him. Yeah, I just thought that was so cool. You know yeah. that they felt like this this you know award winning offensive line like we got these guys like they they're not going to just pound it in against us like we got them right where we want them and. I really like what you said there, man. I think that that's a brilliant motivational piece. Like if I'm a player and you shared that with me, I would totally be vibing with that. And that would really make me feel confident. So I think that that was really sharp what you did there. Yeah. But man, go, yeah, Gomez, man, he, he's, he's always been really good about that. I've learned a lot from him about, you know, the, again, you can't get so emotionally caught up in, in the game that, you're now again letting it beat you twice you know and that's a, that's a great saying that I, that I love is 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 that you, you can't dwell on it enough to where it's going to cost you something else later down the line so he, he's doing a really good job with that I think last thing on this rivalry coach you know I remember I, I coached Ridge Point so I mean I know I've, I've coached against Hightower you know we, we played games and for us it always kind of felt like the heated rivalry was with Elkins in Ridge Point we, we had a very bitter game that was on a Thursday night on the cube, kind of like what you described with your Katie game, but like yeah. that was a fierce rivalry. The high tower rivalry, even though it's same proximity and distance wise, it was more of a, I mean, it was a healthy rivalry. I thought it was like respectful and it wasn't too bitter. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying like, I'm just asking what's the state of the rivalry now, I guess is my question. Like, because you, you guys are really close to each other, high tower and Ridge point. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm curious, like has the dynamics changed? I mean, do you feel like the Elkins Ridge point is more of a thing or are, are you in Ridge point now, since you're kind of the two powerhouses, is it yeah. becoming like a really fierce rivalry? I, I definitely, you know, obviously being on the on the high tower end of it, I can speak from the from the yeah. high tower side. You know, they're, you know, especially with with the sports. Um, you know, I, I don't know the politically correct way to way to say it, but you know, baseball, volleyball, mm-hmm. uh, soccer, some softball. You know, some of those sports that you associate with a lot of commitments outside of school you know, we were going to struggle with, um, and, and obviously Ridgepoint has the resources to where their, their kids are, are, uh, have been playing it for a lot longer and things like that. But, but there is a sense that they're the guys that are, that are on the top that, you know, we want to, we want to yeah. knock them off, you know, and, and, it, yeah. and, and basketball wise, I, I know, I know both of our, both our girls and boys basketball teams, uh, want one district championship. So, uh, you know, there, there's great pride in that. Um, and, and, and I, I think, I, you know, you, you, you know, a rivalry by when people start kind of saying, Hey, this game's coming up, you know, when, when, when they, when they name the other, the other team by name, like, Hey, we, we'd really appreciate y'all coming out to the, the, you know, and in our case, the Ridge Point game, you know, and, yeah. and there's, there's a lot of sports where it is that, that we're kind of the, we, it ends up being we're, we're the top two, I think. So, uh, those those always have a little extra energy and, and a little extra passion and a little extra yeah. fan base and things like that. So it definitely there's definitely a route for you there. It's gonna be fun, man. I mean, obviously this year's game was a classic. I'm sure next year won't disappoint either. So yeah, definitely definitely can't wait for that. Now, coach, um, I always like to ask this portion. Like now that I'm I'm out of coaching, I do I'm do a lot of broadcasting, so I'm I'm always at games, calling games, and 
now that I'm in the booth or in the stands, I, I sometimes I see some bad parent behavior that I guess maybe I was insulated from, you know, as a coach, right? We're coaching, we got our headsets on, we're focusing on what we're doing. We may not hear some of the stuff that's being said in the stands. And, uh, and I just really rubs me the wrong way, you know, and I, I know you're one of the most positive people, you know, that I've met in my entire life. So I know you would obviously this is not the kind of behavior you would, I'm sure exhibit if your daughter was playing in a sports game or something, but sometimes parents, I get it that they love their kids and that's why they're acting that way. But I just think it's, it's not good for the kid's experience. And so my, my question for you, you know, as a coach and a dad, I mean, what advice would you give to parents as far as how, how, how should a parent behave to give their child the best athletic experience? Man, I, I heard, again, somebody talk about, it. I, I discovered podcasts over, over quarantine and I, I really yeah. love them, especially now that I commute, you know, 45 minutes to an hour yeah. each day, yeah. but, uh, heard heard somebody say you know as a parent the best thing you can do is say i love you and i love watching you play yeah and you know i i think the tough thing is that that we feel like we are as a parent you feel like you know your kid the best but then i think the other thing is that that people discount the professionalism that we as, as coaches have sometimes you know they yeah. they really they really think they know and I think with I think football and basketball probably I mean I, I, baseball I could I could see it as well but but probably end up being the worst because because people think well because I played it I know this about about it um and Man, I thought I knew football. Like I, I think I had mentioned it before. I thought I knew football because because I I played it in high school and and I loved watching it and things like that. I did not have a clue what all went into every single detail of the play call and things like that. And you know, there's so many things X's and O's wise that people don't realize and don't understand. And when you just see game day, there's so much that you don't recognize about you know, what happened at practice or things like consistency. Like, yes, maybe some other kid is having a bad night and you think your kid can can do a better job, but you didn't see that for the last three months, that other kid, the reason yeah. they're the starter is because sure. they have been consistently, you know, producing or, uh, you know, because they have a better handle of, you know, the, the play calls and things like that. I mean, there, there's just so much that you don't know. Uh, and, you know, some of that even is film study of the other team, you know, Hey, the reason we're not calling that play that you think works so well is because we have a pretty good idea that they're onto that and that they're, they're going to shut it down and they're built to shut it down, you know, in matchups and things like that. So, so just enjoy it and don't do something that is going to contradict what that coach is, is trying to get done. You know, and, and if you're if you're truly in a situation where you feel like, you know, the coach doesn't have any clue what it is that that they're doing, then maybe you need to you need to meet with the coach and, and, and you know, try to have a try to have a better understanding. But even then, sometimes, you know, that that well, I mean, we as coaches can can speak to the fact that sometimes that, that ends up having going in a negative direction where really all they're worried about is their kids playing time, you know. And so so the, the advice to to parents is is just to try to enjoy it and try to be as supportive of the kid as possible and and then talk to your son and daughter and and ask them questions you know because they're because a lot of times 
they ha- they have an understanding that ki- sometimes kids are are a whole lot more aware than they let on. You know, like, why why is he playing over you? Well, he's better than me, mom. <laughs> you know, like I mean, just flat out, like I, I can't I can't block so and so. You know, or or he's faster than me, or or, or something like that. You know, so I, I I think I think. You know, now that I'm saying that, I'm thinking about kids that don't have that kind of awareness. So sometimes that might be an issue as well. <laughs> sure. But but just 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 be supportive. Yeah. You know, I, I had a situation where I was broadcasting a game and I was we set up in the stands for basketball. So we're with the fans and uh this one, you know, I was kind of talking to some fans in front of me, just making small talk. And I mentioned that the the head coach of the team is actually a good friend of mine, a personal friend of mine, you know. And their demeanor immediately changed from friendly to kind of hostile. <laughs> and they were, and they basically, uh, you know, the, the, the dad turned around and said to me, well, you might want to cover your ears because we don't like him. And he, you know, he's not a good coach base, you know? And I, I was like, I've never been con- kind of confronted like that. I was like, okay. Uh, it's kind of yeah. what I, I really said. Okay. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, uh, I, I was, and I watched them throughout the game and they're just constantly complaining about coach complaining about the subs, complaining about certain players, compl- yelling at officials, like like yelling directly at officials, you know, and it's, it's a basketball and, court, you hear everything. And, and what does that accomplish? Like, you know, that that's the, that's the frustrating thing, you know, right. is like uh, the majority of the time, all that does is introduce negativity that really is not helping. And then even if the coach does hear it, now in the back of his mind, he's distracted by something that you say, and he's thinking, oh, well, I'm going to have to deal with that later, or you know, maybe to some degree, like they're human, they, they might say, well, I'll show you, then I'm going to do this, that, and the other, just to prove that you're, you know, right. you're not right. Or, or here, here, this is what you wanted. And, you know, your son gets his shot swatted by the six, eight, five-star kid that, you know, <laughs> on the other team or whatever the case may be. And I mean, the official, you know, that's, that's a whole other issue we could go into, but the officials uh, are going away because of because of the oh, behavior in the stands and the behavior of coaches and uh you know it, you're it, it's not helping you know too much too much negativity and, and i think some of it is is a symptom of, of unfortunately it's where our society is as far as you know everybody feeling like their opinion needs to be heard on on everything and uh, you know again it, it's it's just not helping anything for for you to act that way yeah, you know, and I, I was, I don't know if we're gonna get to the point where the fans like that will be just be removed, or you know, not allowed to come, or, or, what, or what's gonna happen. But I, I was at really close shout to, to actually kind of confronting, <laughs> saying like, yeah. you know, parents like you are the problem in sports. Yeah, please stop. Show some respect for these. You know, I, I, but I was like, I, I, I didn't do it, and I'm glad I did it. And Kenny Simpson in his episode, he had, he had a great saying. I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher it, but it was essentially like, essentially like. You know, don't go don't go wrestling in the mud with a pig, because yeah. at the end of the day, you both get muddy and the pig had fun. You yeah. know, <laughs> and it, yeah. it, that's kind of I, I think that nothing good would have come out of me, you know, doing that. But part of me is also like, you know, sometimes maybe people need to be held accountable. Like these parents behave like this. No one ever checks them on it. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm curious for you. And yeah. this is a situation where I actually know your wife, Monica. And yeah. I'm assuming she goes to games and she probably has to hear bad comments maybe about your you or your staff you know in the stands and i'm kind of curious how does she handle that and what would you do in that situation that i was in like should people engage bad behavior in the stands yeah i think 
you know, for so for to address her, she's usually there with with our daughter, and uh, they usually try to sit as far away from people yeah, as possible, sure. just yeah. just to just to insulate themselves from it. Get it. Yeah, uh, and you know she'll she'll if she hears something, she'll tell me or she'll say, hey. Who is so and so? I kept hearing this one parent talk about you know so and so or or things like that. But you know, as far as you addressing it, I think ultimately it needs to come from the school, like you were alluding to earlier. It needs to come from the school, and it needs to come from the athletic coordinator of that school, yeah. and you yeah. know maybe even the the athletic department. You know, I, I think, I think it, it it would be very easy for them to blow you off and say right, this sure. is a, you know this is just some goofball. I don't know this guy right, or right. anything like that. Like you don't have any real credibility with them. Right. And so if there's twelve of them and one of you, not that anything would happen, but that the fact that like well we must be right because we're all you know yeah. together on this. Yeah, like he yeah. doesn't really know how bad this guy is or something like that. I think what would probably be more effective would be if when people heard and saw things like that is if they reported it to, uh, to the, to the athletic coordinator, the, you know, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, campus athletic right. coordinator. Uh, typically that's probably, that's even better than athletic director because I would think, you know, especially in a place like, you know, if you were at a, a, a Fort Bend game, I mean, there's so many, there's so many different events and so many yeah. different places that they're in charge of that might, that might even get lost in the wash. But if somebody, if they consistently hear, you know, Oh, the, the fans at, you know, insert school name are constantly an issue with this, then the the campus athletic coordinator might bring that program in and say, Hey, look guys, like we've got to, we've got to clean this up. Like this, this is not the reputation that we want, nor is it beneficial. Like again, not a single official has ever said, Oh, you disagree. You know what? You make a good point. I'm going to change my call. Yeah. You know, like, like it just, it just doesn't work that way. So you're not, you're not helping the situation. Yeah. I think that that's my one pet peeve, man. I, I hate parents that are just so negative like that. And uh, you're right about the officials. It, it's an issue. I yeah. mean, who, who wants to subject themselves to this abuse, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, definitely something we got to keep our eye on, but let's talk about, um, as far as we always kind of like to talk about, you know, some of your personal interests out, outside of sports. And um, do you do you have obviously you're a big Aggie fan, but do you have any sports team that, that you're just a huge fan of? So this is this is going to be this, this, this is going to sound harsh. So but but so as a coach, I have become much more interested in scheme than team. Uh, and uh, I'm a big Astros fan. Okay. Uh, but but I recognized in 2017 we we win it all, and I kind of look around, you know, and I'm sitting on my couch and you know texting friends all sorts of late into the night, and it's like in football season, all those other things. So you you know just text message, we're not together watching or anything, and the euphoria kind of wears off like over the next couple of days, and and you think okay, like I got the shirt, you know, I got the hat, I got you know all all the things, but then looking back on it. I didn't get some like special medal for having suffered through, yeah. you know, uh, all the years right, of like, right. heartache and all the, and all the negative yeah. part. And so a couple of years later, you know, I've, I've been a diehard Houston fan my, my whole life, but a couple of years later, I kind of like, I let my fandom of the, of the Texans and the Rockets yeah. go. And it's been 
it's been it's been nice <laughs> and, and I, I'm, I'm sure people will, will disagree with that and all that sort of stuff but I, you know I love watching Kansas City but it's because yeah. of their skiing and people yeah. say oh you're you're a fair weather fan I was like well okay but like nobody nobody yeah. like I still get to watch the game you know nobody marks me off on that you know and I, yeah. and I did and I didn't get anything special for you know for suffering through with the with the Texans unfortunately yeah so I, I'd love to see those teams do do better again um but but as far as being a diehard and you know part of it too is just being a father you know you got to yeah. kind of pick and yeah. choose what you're yeah. investing your, your time in and you just I just don't have the time and the energy to say I'm going to watch every Texans game from start to finish and every yeah. Rockets game and all that sort of stuff so so it's, it's a lot more fun you know just picking and choosing you know schemes that 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 you enjoy and, and teams that you know I I, I spent a bunch of time watching uh, Kansas this year play football. They did some really cool, uh, some really cool things, and uh, I love Lincoln Riley and, yeah. and watching watching his teams and the stuff that he does. So uh, it, it's become a whole lot more just trying to find, you know, things that can that can help me a, as a coach rather than you know watching kind of as a as a fan. I love it, man. I I, I love Kansas City. Obviously, they are just incredible creativity they make it look so easy you know yeah, yeah. but you know i always ask this question you know you're a native houstonian you're a diehard astros fan if you had to create a mount rushmore the coach shall's mount rushmore so your top four all-time favorite houston astros who would you put on that on that mountain number one no hesitation is craig biggio yeah he, he's yeah. like he he's been my guy since since forever i, I love the way he plays the game uh, you know, unfortunately, Bagwell's career kind of kind of fizzled out with the injuries at the end, but but I think he's got to be on that as well. Um, I mean, right now it's really hard to say Jose Altuve is yeah. not on there. He's he's unbelievable, and he's given hope to five foot seven <laughs> athletes all over all yeah. over the place yeah. for 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 every sport. They all think that they can be. The next Jose, um, man, I'm I'm probably leaving someone out, but I but, but uh, Lance Berkman keeps coming to mind for yeah, me. Great one, great um, one. I know some of those guys are probably a little bit. I, I, you know, there's probably probably guys like Bregman could could work their way right. onto that onto that Rushmore that they're not going to knock Biggio off. They they could maybe work their way past past Bergman, but uh that those those probably my four guys awesome man well, coach it's been a true pleasure man uh if you enjoyed this episode as much as i have please take a moment give us that five-star rating that drives us up the charts so more people can hear these stories and coaches making a difference hit the follow button to subscribe and hear new episodes as soon as they come out each week and follow me on twitter at coach underscore kovo that's coach underscore kovo you can hit us up at team player podcast at gmail.com we take recommendations I, I've, a lot of times the guests are, are recommended uh, from our network. So we're just kind of growing uh, this community here. As always, the cover art and music for the Team Player Podcast are provided by two of my former players, cover art by Kaiser St. Cyr, and our intro and exit music is One More Good Enough from Avrion's self-titled debut album. You can find his music on all platforms by searching for Avrion. That's A-V-R-I-O-N. Coach Shao, thanks again for coming on the show, man. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. All right, thank you for all the team players out there for your support, and we'll catch you all down the road. It always feel like I need one more boy and one
one more line Record the track just one more time My family think I bump my head Lost my mind, insuring them I'm just fine, I'm good enough But I need one more boy One more line, record the track just one more time My family think I bump my head Lost my mind, insuring them I'm just fine, I'm good enough But I need one more boy One more line, record the track just one more time My family think I bump my head Lost my mind, insuring them I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily But now I got a legacy 